Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. Here we go. Today's episode of The Real Deal On is brought to you by GuidedHypnotic.com. That's GuidedHypnotic.com. Are you stressed out? Smothered by anxiety, depression, and trepidation? Then GuidedHypnotic.com is for you. Download your free Guided Hypnotic Meditation. Sponsored by GuidedHypnotic.com. <laughs> what a great voice, man. Oh, thank you. All right, so here we go. My dear friend, we are so blessed to have the, this man on here who has done so much for the world. One of the most outstanding humans I know. But let me give you a, a little bit of his background before we dig in. Jason Cisneros is a hard-nosed, battle-tested CEO who has taken the science of performance and the art of leadership to the next level. He is widely regarded as one of the brightest minds in business and innovation. Among his past and current clients are Fortune 500 companies such as Nike, Comcast, and Microsoft. And he's turned around more than 70 small to mid-cap companies, earning him the moniker, The Architect. From his best-selling book and his more than 3,000-plus presentations on leadership and business to his career as a top speaker in the Tony Robbins organization and his dozens of corporate turnarounds, Jason has always looked to identify needs, to find solutions, and to find competitive businesses for entrepreneurs who really want to change. The Bald Avenger, right here, here and now, Misfit Nation, uh, dude. <laughs> Thank you I so love much. It. That's, the, that's a great. I'm just going to have to take you around with me and do introductions more often. Right? It's, it's, uh, this is what, what, actually one of the biggest joys besides having incredible conversations is the joy I get introducing someone that like, I, I get to just live vicariously through you anyway. And then here we go. It's just I get to own it. You're good um, at it. And hi, Shannon McVeigh. I'll, I'll, uh, I got your call. I'll call you back today too. Right on. It's been busy, man. It's been busy. I know, and things are, you know, things couldn't be crazier. So how the heck are you? What, like, there's so much going on, so much I want to obviously cover from you, but let's get a little bit on, you know, some context on who you are. Because, you know, I'll be honest with you, the first time, like, I don't even know the first time we met, like, you scared the crap out of me. Like, you just, you've got this intimidating, like, you just look, like, intimidating, and, you, and you're like, the biggest hearted, warmest person, I, you know, one of the warmest people, I know I don't want to, you know, let everyone else know that they're not warm, yeah, but it's a secret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people but like either you, love me or they hate me. There's zero in between with me, with me. Well, so. which is interesting, but I, I, you know, we can get into that because the truth is I know your heart is 100% pure and that you couldn't care more for, for people, for human beings and, and what you stand for. Um, and, and that is a fact, whether people appreciate delivery is another, you know, another conversation, but some context so people can understand like who you are, where you've come from, you've, you've had a, an intense life. So, you know, 
where does that, where does your heart come from and, and what has brought you to, to where you are now? Um, well, thank God my, mo- my heart comes from my mom, from my grandma, from my grandpa. You know, they're both past now. But, um, you know, the, the, like you said, I had an intense upbringing. Um, my adopted father uh, was very abusive. I didn't know he was my adopted father, um, you know, until much later in life. Uh, you know, matter of fact, uh, lots of broken noses. He was abusing my mom. I stepped in front of her, which has played a, a really solid role into what I do now, um, you know, in the domestic violence, violence world and, and uh, the work that we do with trafficking and so on and so forth. But back then, you know, I was a kid and uh, being beaten up by somebody that's supposed to love you and, and, and care about you and watching him, you know, uh, brutalize your mom and, and those kind of things. Well, and, and it wasn't until I was 17, he got sentenced to um, 18 years for uh, attempted murder of me and my mom. And, uh, and then, and that night my mom took me out to dinner and told me that he wasn't my real dad. And I was like, well, that would have been helpful to know. (laughs) (laughs) And I asked her brother, I asked her, I was like, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, well, because I know you and you would have killed him. And then I'd be Uh, dealing with, you know, you in the, in and out of the system, which I was anyway. I mean, you know, you're raised by a guy that was a a drug dealer, lots of different stories that I could go into about him. But, um, you know, I did my first drug deal, uh, carrying drugs for him when I was 12 years old. Uh, then it got really good cause I've been fighting a full grown adult for most of my, most of my childhood. Um, and I became, you know, a collector made it make, you know, people that owed money for drugs and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, it was, it was the kindness and the love and, and the, the caring that I got from my grandparents and my mom, uh, that sort of showed me there was a duality to life, right? You mm. had this real anger, on one side, a victimhood sort of scenario. And then you had, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to love my life no matter where I am, uh, but never be satisfied. Right. Sort of scenario with my grandma and my, and my mom and, and my grandpa. And it was, and it was so amazing, um, you know, to have that, that duality in my life. And then like most of us, again, you know, the, the failure to thrive, right? If, mm-hmm. if you're not loved at some point in your life, you die when you're a kid. And, and what I realize is that most people that are alive walking around uh, carrying that victim mentality have been loved in the past. They're just choosing to be bitter instead of be better. And, and that's, that's sort of where I come in. We know, you know, especially men these day and age, we need a reminder that it's okay to have a penis, um, you know, and, and it's okay to be a man. It's okay to have testosterone coursing through your veins and, and to not beat yourself up over it as long as that energy is used in protection and service um, as opposed to uh, afflicting, you know, and, and uh, pain or, or dominance uh, that, that testosterone and being a man is a really, really good thing these days. So I learned that early and, and thank God I had the grandparents I had and thank God for the mother that I have. So during those times, did your mom know that you were running with your stepdad to whatever degree my, my mom, um, it's interesting. Like, this is a great question that I don't think I've ever answered before uh, on, on any show, is that my mom, and, and I see it, like, because I was, I played the victim role really, really well up until, you know, almost 30 years old, uh, and my life reflected it. And, and it was, you think about people that are victims, they surround themselves with people who accept the weakest portion of themselves. And my mom had this vision of who I was. And we've had many conversations be, yeah, between, you know, since then 
but she she really um, kept a blind eye to my criminal activities and to the to the fact that her firstborn baby boy who was going to grow up and be a doctor and be all these things that that I never um, you know became um, that that she didn't she paid she had a veil over her face and saw only the good in me which was enabling in one sense and and uh, embedded in my spirit in another mm. that I was better than the than the than than what I was showing right so um, yeah so mom I think she probably knew but she didn't she didn't really acknowledge if you understand what I mean by that <laughs> right and and well actually and what a gift because I think that gave you the opportunity to not beat yourself up any more than you could have, right? Because that's, we all do that. And then if you have the, the person, you know, your mom beating you up too, yeah, then you could really no, start taking ownership because you have now like external references. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and her biggest weapon, she's now changed a lot too, right? Since, you know, she's been to Tony and, and been through all the, the stuff and read the books. But her biggest tool was guilt, you know? And we had a conversation a long time ago about the fact that she's like, you know, I'll, I'm going to carry around this guilt forever for, for the life that you live that I could have done something about. And I said, mom, you know, and this is a God's honest truth. And I, and it really brings me to tears with how much guilt she carried around. But at the end of the day, we all make our own choices, how we're going to feel about things. But at the end of the day, it really, um, it, it really, in that conversation with her, I had this epiphany that said, I'm, I, if I could go back and change anything about my life, there's not one centimeter. There's not one second of my life that I would choose to be different because I'm a very strong person now because of the, 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 uh, abuse and because of the, you know, the, the, the being in and out of the police, uh, state being arrested and, and, and doing the things that I did. I'm a very strong person now. And a lot of us, what we're seeing in today's environment, a lot of people, they don't have the, the intestinal fortitude, uh, you know, to stand up to a gust of wind. And, and, you know, because they're like bouncing around, what crisis do I care, care about today? And they don't really care. You know, they don't really care. They just want to be seen to be caring. I posted something today that I just made up a brand new word, word and it's called flibitzker, right? And a flibitzker is a, is, is a, a virtue signaling do nothing that doesn't give a shit about your cause. Um, and and, and uh, 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 they only do it for the acceptance of other flibitzkers. And I said, hashtag, see, I can make words up too. Hashtag white privilege isn't a thing. So, you know, these, these types of conversations are ridiculous to me. I look at them and I go, they don't add any value. They don't, they're not going to move us forward anywhere. It's just as stupid for somebody that's white to hate the color of themselves for the color of their skin as it is for anybody to hate somebody because they're black or because to hate yourself because you're black or brown or any other or shade of pigmentation that God blessed you with, Right. And, and so, um, you know, there's a lot of ridiculousness and I, I'm glad that everything that's happening right now is happening because it's opening a lot of people's eyes that, that are reasonable people that have just been sitting back going, what the hell is happening? What is going on? Where's the world that I thought I lived in? 
well, you know, you, you've been so uh, uh, immersed in your white privilege. I, I'm sorry. Like, you know, if you would have grown up the way that I did, the abuse, the, you know, my mom working three jobs, you know, standing in line for government cheese, having one set of clothes to wear to school for the entire year, uh, you know, um, having to walk this, the, the dirt road sometimes of the houses that we lived in to have to find wild asparagus so, or else we wouldn't have eaten that night. Like there's all of this stuff. That, that everybody, here's the, here's the truth, is that everybody has their cross to bear. And when we take that cross off of them uh, and, we, and we put them through life with a false sense, a false sense of the fact that life is, is, is it owes them something, it weakens the human spirit. And the reason why we're free, the reason why we live in the United States of America right now and why so many other countries have thrived under, under the capitalist system is because it lifts all boats, right? It lifts all boats. And, and yes, there's people who succeed more. Yes, there's people that don't succeed as much. But in the poor in our country have so much more than the, than the rich did, you know, in, in, in the early 1800s and, and, you know, those types of things. Like, we live in such a, a sheltered age that everybody just looks around going, what can I be pissed off about so that I can look like I have value to the outside world? Well, dude, totally. And, and I wonder if some of the, the reasons why some of this is happening as well is the, the generation to, like today of the younger generation, millennials and younger and so forth, and I, I don't have the empirical data on this, but I wonder if most of their parents are older, that they had children at an older age, and they were more concerned about keeping them safe rather than appreciating the, the necessity of some challenges. And then the expectation becomes, we're not supposed to feel any discomfort. Things are supposed to go exactly the way I want. And then they get out into the real world and the real world goes, that nah, don't work like that. And then they go, like what, what do you mean it doesn't work like that? I wore a helmet and I never got my, you know, I, I never hit my head. And, and the playground had, you know, we didn't have sand. We had the little bouncy thing. What, what, now I skinned my knee. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everybody getting a, uh, you know, a trophy for participation. It's, uh, it, it's just, it, it's, it, look, again, I'm happy for the scenario that we find ourselves in because now a new generation can be tested. They can see, you know, what happens when you're tested with adversity. And, you know, and, and I think that that's a good thing because if not, then we pass on that weakness to our next generation and we don't want that world for people. We don't want to end up, you know, being the next Venezuela or, or you know, the next China or the next what, whatever uh, country that we see out there that, that that energy would thrive were it not for the bastion called the United States of America. And I wonder if, if what role, like, you know, again, I, as you were talking and I'm thinking of like, you know, the secret. Right. Like, like, all you have to do is like, think about it and, and meditate on it. And then, you know, wonderful things should happen. Just follow your bliss. And then you go, well, yeah, but you also got to actually put some effort into it. You've got to respect the process. You've got to, you know, know that something, you know, like when you talk about capitalism, well, capitalism is like nature. It, there's going to be bigger trees, there's going to be smaller trees, but you don't see those trees, you don't see the lion or the, you don't see the, you know, the elk crying, you know, and blaming, you know, that the, the lion came along and, and ate it. It's part of the cycle. And I'm not, not to 
create an analogy that is too esoteric, but just pointing out the, the nature of um, when we're allowed to just be authentic. Well, you know, I mean, you know, there's a version of Doug that existed. There's a version of Jason that existed that was not what exists today. You know, and the reason why we're not that same older version is because of a natural system that replaces every cell in our body, right? Yep. And the choices that we make along. I was watching this this show, and it was um, I was I was on vacation with my kids this last week, and they put it on uh, this show, and it, it's it's something where they build stuff. It's uh, it's I can't remember the name of the game. Um, with the Legos. What's that? Was it with Legos? I'm thinking no, the Lego No, it wasn't challenge. with Legos, but it's a version. It looks like Legos when they're going through. You build your own worlds and, you know, this kind okay. of stuff. And, and the video that was playing, it was a, it, they had turned it into a cartoon show. Okay. And it was one of those interactive cartoon shows. Uh -huh. And while I was watching it, I was fascinated because my daughter had the, the remote control. And it said up at the time, up at the thing, it said, uh, um, make your choice. And it had two choices down below. And it, and it said, if you don't make your choice in this amount of time, your choice will be made for you. And so you choose it. And then another thing fla flashes up on the screen that says your story has now changed. And I was fascinated. Oh, it's like choose your own adventure kind of thing. It was an adventure show. And, and I was fascinated by how true that is in life and how much we ignore it. Mm -hmm. Right? You have you, Minecraft. Thank you, David. So it's a, it was a, the, the, the uh, cartoon Minecraft from the video game Minecraft. Okay. And it says that, that, that thing virtually right in front of you. It says, make your choice or it'll be made for you. Think about how many times you've sat and let choices be made for you because mm. you didn't act. Right? An idea you had that you didn't act on, a business that you thought of, a, a, a position you wanted in the company that you worked for, that girl that you wanted to date, that guy you wanted to date. Like all of these choices that are put in front of us and then and the choice gets made for you because somebody stepped in and made the choice ahead of you to take the woman of your dreams, to take the man of your dreams, to do those yeah. kind of things. And then as soon as you do make the choice, now your story has changed right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because you made a choice. And, and we sit in this world of infinite opportunity. And, and the choice that we make and the choice that we reward the most is not making a choice. And then yeah. the, the ramifications that fall upon you because you're living somebody else's existence, you're living somebody else's reality. Now we can blame other people for it. And, and the, that causes weakness. That's why people hate me is because I'm a, I'm not only am I, am I somebody who's speaking these things, but I'm somebody who accept, accepts my mistakes, right? My, my crowd, Misfit Nation. Like we all admit that we've made mistakes. We clear mm -hmm. them out in front of each other. We then figure out how to make it right with the people that we've harmed the best that we can. And then, and then secondarily, we forgive ourselves. And then we commit the rest of our lives to using that pain in those examples to helping others avoid it or get through it. In other words, being in service. 100%. And that's so true. I mean, forget the, at the moment it's slipping my mind, the, the proverb, but it, or it's uh, Luke, I think 27, 17, to whom much is given, much is required and much is expected. Well, yep. we're given that freedom of choice. And thank God, thank yeah. God, because there are places where you are born and I've been there. Like this is the other benefit of traveling the world like I have is you get to see, you know, that, that in, in some areas of the world, 
that a woman is literally born for to be a servant to the family, right? Carrying water on their head or, or doing all of the stuff. And, and there's no freedom of choice there, right? We, we, we live in a country who's uh, full of the most uh, um, babied people on the face of the planet. We don't realize it. We don't realize that if you want to go backwards in time, which is exactly what socialism or communism is, you want to go backwards and you want to award everybody. If, if everybody's the same, then nobody, if everybody's great, then nobody is, right? That kind of thing. All you have to do is for a, a recent example that's going on right now in front of our face is Venezuela, you mm -hmm. know, and it's a beautiful country that used to be the third largest economy in the world. And along comes Hugo Chavez and tells everybody, these rich people are really getting one over on you. When their country was beautiful, when the tax money was flowing to create a better life for the, for the, for the poorest of the country, right? And it was flowing in and it was, be and it was quickly, they were quickly become, you know, reaching the American economy at the time. And then all of a sudden he comes in and he pits poor against rich. He pits, you know, and uh, if he had black against white, he would have done that too, right? And he pitted everybody against each other because it sounded good. It sounded like, yes, I am being beset upon because I choose not to improve my mindset. I live in poverty mindset. I choose not to read books. I, not, I choose not to dive into the, the greatest wealth of information on the face of the planet, which is free, called the internet. You can learn things. You can educate yourself. You can lift yourself up out of whatever situation you find yourself in and, and find people like me who want to employ people like that to train them, to teach them. Because without wealth, no matter what you do, without building wealth for yourself, you are going to be subject to someone else's choices. And I want my black brothers, my brown brothers, my white brothers. I want every color, race, creed, gay, straight, all of these people. I want them to learn the, the lesson that I learned primarily from Martin Luther King, by the way, which was stand on your own two feet. And when you get there, you bring along other people, right? The, you yep. can only spend so much money. There's, a, no, there's no reason why, you know, and again, this sounds a little bit socialist, but it's a personal choice on my side is that I make money and then pour it back into uh, people that are true victims, little girls and little boys that are traded in the sex trade, right? Uh, domestic violence, people that are starving to death every four seconds. But it's the, you, the where you're doing that, you, it's to bring them to a place so that they could help themselves. Like it's, it's you're putting the oxygen mask on them after you got it on yourself. You're putting it on them so that they can then have access. Some people are that downtrodden where they need that support 100%. Like, I don't believe in the welfare state, but I do believe in helping people get them on well, their our, feet. That's our responsibility as yes. human beings. And it has to be our choice that when somebody rises up from poverty, that you then reach back into poverty to, to help change that, that mindset. Right. It's like, it's like if, if you fell off the boat, which, if your, your best friend falls off the boat, which is going to be a more effective way, or anybody falls off the boat, a better way to get them back in, stay in the boat and pull them up or get in under the water and try and push them up. Now you're in there. Though, my, my grandfather used to have a saying, uh, you know, that I loved. I never understood it until I got older in life, but he said, if you give somebody something for nothing, you make nothing out of somebody, 
right? Yeah. And, and, and if we want to attach ourselves to grievances, somebody said it today, I can't remember who it was, it's not me, but they said, they said look, it's, we live, oh, it's Thomas Sowell, right? Thomas Sowell, one of the brightest uh, um, black men that, 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 is, that I've ever met in my entire life, that I've ever, I follow him in, intrinsically. He is, he is amazing. And he said, it's interesting to live in a life uh, to live in a life where we're being punished for shit that we don't do and the stuff that we do do that we're, we're being excused from, right? And he yeah. also said this, which, which, you know, I'm a little bit dragging today because I stayed up for three hours. He made a statement yesterday that said that, that by a scale of one to 10, white people have been more enslaved for longer than, than blacks. He's a black guy, a black historian, a black, a black leader, right? And I was like, that, that can't be right. Like, I don't, I, I was like, that can't be right. That's got to be a statement just made for provocateur attention mm -hmm. sake. And I dug in, man, and, you know, no, no uh, uh, pun intended, but I dug in like I do when I find somebody that says something like that. And nine times out of 10, you find that it's bullshit, right? It's it, this day and age of fake news. You dig in, you dig in. And I've been guilty of posting things that weren't true. I do my best to, to, to correct them when I, when I find out they're not true. Um, but, it, but, but at the end of the day, I dug in and I was like, holy shit, you know, and, and what, so what's the difference? Like all humanity has been in, enslaved. I don't care what your background is. It's been enslaved at one point in time. And, and does that do us any good or should we li live in the reality that has created lots of opportunity for people of all color, from all people of all backgrounds, for, for people of all, all stations in life to be able to change their stars? Well, we want to tear down that very system doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, and I think one of the things also that happened that allowed this to happen was at some point the demonization of success. Demonization, demonization. of success and demon, demonization of the other. Right? Well, right. Yeah, by creating the identity politics. And, and, and then what I think it all boils down to as well is what you're sharing earlier. And, and it's so funny because you also have created the misfit nation, which is there's nothing wrong with having a culture. There's nothing wrong with having a great, it's needed. It's necessary. The question becomes, are you allowing that to hold you back or are you using it to thrust you forward? So you've got, you know, in, and I mean, I, I'm kind of bummed you stole misfit nation. Cause that's like, ah, oh, that's brilliant. I love it. Cause I've always, but I'm part of it. So it's, it's all good. It's, you know, it's right. one of those things. I've always felt like an outcast. I've always felt, you know, like I didn't belong in some way. And, and we're always looking for someone to connect with. And the question becomes, are we going to connect over wounds and pain or are we going to connect over like love and success and helping each other out and, and doing it holistically? Cause I think unfortunately, well, Doug, how do you, how does progress happen? Like I, I thought, I've thought deeply about this over the course since COVID right? The whole COVID scare mm -hmm. started. I, I've thought deeply about it. And a lot of my thoughts end up on my podcast, The Bald Avenger Show. Um, and, and, and as I've thought through this, how does progress um, happen? It happens by two completely opposite ideas coming together and figuring out what is the practical application. Because those on the far left aren't always right. Or those on the far right aren't always right. And what happens is we have, a, we have in the past, we've had a healthy two-party system that bounced back and forth to who was in power, you know, mm -hmm. and, and what happened in between was we would skew a little bit left, we would skew a little bit right, which is healthy, 
You know, sometimes we had somebody in office we didn't really like, and we had, then we had somebody that was, and it wasn't, and it was, and, and what happened was, is that we had those two voices that weren't shut down because they could, when you say something crazy on the right, right, it, it goes, that shit's crazy. People in the middle, most, where most people are, out of 330 million people in the United States, I would say 90% of us are somewhere in that middle ground mm-hmm. that, that skew left or skew right. We accept 80% on the liberal side, not 80% on the, 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 and by uh, the way, we might vacillate even on that. There may we, be in we, context we do because we evolve, yeah. you know, we evolve, we, we get older, we learn lessons. And at the end of the day, what is happening right now on social media and by all of these virtue signaling weak ass punks that are out there that care about each crisis equally all the time and they really don't they just want to be seen as caring and what happens is you want to shut down one side of the conversation and when you do that you you exclude to your detriment uh, um really great ideas mm-hmm. and you and that's happening on social media it's happening on the media right your your normal media it's happening with all of these social justice warriors who are full of shit as a christmas goose Right. And, 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 and everybody's like, oh, we got all these people. Look, when George Floyd died, you instantaneously had 330 million people that said that's wrong. Yeah. They're like, what Instant- the F? Instantaneously said that was wrong. Okay. And, and then it went about, well, if we all think that's wrong, who am I going to virtue signal to? Right. And so now it turned into, well, you need to shut up because your skin color is white and you can't say anything about this. This has been going on for years. And, and you start to get back to the division of it goes down Trump or it goes down, you know, a Republican or dead. And so what's happened, let me finish this thought real quick, because it's super important for anybody out there that thinks that they have a giant wave of support behind them. The people that look like they're supporting you are the weakest people on the planet and they don't give a shit about about black lives matters they don't give a shit about antifa they could care less trust me when you watch how fast they went from covid to race wars to whatever happens next they will go bounce 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 they're not really supporters and the people that really have influence and want to help change that you shut us down and started calling us racist the real meat behind what could make change and what need there is changes that need to be made the police unions need a little bit of work you know the the the, the laws need a little bit of work like there's there's things that need work I, and by the way i don't believe that'll ever change we're always in change. progress there's always, there's always yeah there's always going to be challenges and one of the things that i've also noticed is just it's just an observation and um, is the gaslighting that's occurring by proxy. And I'll just use the, the WHO as an example. You know, they were first saying, you know, the, you got to wear masks. So then you got a bunch of people going, yeah, you got to wear masks. Then they go, nah, you know what? You don't need to wear masks. So now all the people who didn't want to wear masks now use that as their, well, see, the WHO says that. Then they go, well, if you're asymptomatic, you know, you're going to spread it. Then they go, if you're asymptomatic, you're not going to spread it. And then all these people go into posting on there, see, I'm right, you're wrong. And then it creates like this incredible, and, and, and I'm watching this going, do, do you remember marionettes? Like, how is this? Like- and somewhere in the middle, the solution is swirling right. around and not going to be addressed because people want to hate other people. And I, I believe part of that as well goes back to everyone, you know, needing love. 
and finding connection within an organization because they have been ill-equipped to find it because this is the first time, and it's even here, they're getting actually in person again, right? Perfect storm. This has been their life, working on the phone, social media, all that. Now we get an opportunity to get together for a purpose, which we all need. We purpose-driven. Oh my gosh. So now it gets hijacked. A purpose gets hijacked. You get to feel good and cause potentially opportunities. Like I've never, like I would never, ever, ever say to somebody, you know what, I'm, I'm going to unfriend you because I don't believe the way you believe, or I don't, I, I have a different opinion. I didn't and unfriend yet, one single person this entire time. Not one. I, I would never do that. And I, it's sad when you see people doing that. And this is on both sides, but it's, you know, it's not always the case, but like to go, man, you're creating the bubble. You're creating a bubble of like your own, whatever your belief is, which you're not allowing someone to present another opportunity. And it's look at the end of the day, all of this, when's the election? What day is the election? Yeah. November 7th, November 7th, something like that. Right. Um, so November 6th, all of this goes away. All of it goes away. I promise you the day after the election, um, it's all going to go away and I don't care who wins. I mean, I do care who wins. I know who I'm supporting, but at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter who wins. It'll all go away. If you go back to the 2016, what did we have? We had riots, we had race wars, we had, you know, all of this stuff is predictable. And, 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 you know, the, we, we look at all of this stuff. Like I was listening to an interview. Did you see the interview between Tony Robbins and, and, uh, um, Sophie, the ro- the, the AI robot? I didn't see the whole thing. I started to oh, watch brother, some of it, it, but yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating because at the end of the day, um, you know, AI is, is what one of her responses was that part of AI's job is to help humans keep repeating history. Right. And I, th- I found that fascinating in, in the, the idea that AI can go somehow, Part I don't know bias. how it's going to happen, but how does, how does AI, they go, no, 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 wait, wait. Every four years, you're pitted against each other. How about we not do that, right? But there's real things that we can do. There's real things that we can do. And I want to talk about those solutions a little bit like term limits, right? <laughs> Benjamin Franklin said that anybody that goes to, to office poor and comes out rich stole. Who yep. do they steal from? They steal from us, the taxpayers. Now they, they're like, okay, well, there's not enough to take from the taxpayers, so let's just print money at the Fed, right? So, so you can do that immediately and have, and, and it's supposed to be a sacrifice. It's supposed to be where you go to, to Washington, D.C., you, you serve, and you set no laws against yourself, and then you go back. But right, right now- you know happens, when you leave, you're going to have to abide by those very setups you connected. And if you've served, if you're a senator, if you're a congressman in Washington, D.C., you don't have to abide by the same rules. You didn't have to have Obamacare. You didn't have to have, you know, uh, uh, all of the things that we have to go through. They're protected from insider trading. They're, they're you know, they get taught or, or uh, lobbied by somebody saying, hey, we've got this great product and we need to make sure that this law gets passed. So what do they do? They buy the stock at, at pennies on the dollar. They yep. know that COVID's coming down the path. So what do they do? They sell their stocks before everybody else. It's insider trading, right? I mean, this is, this is the thing that people need to really realize it, or wake up and realize is that we're all being played, you know, and we're all being played like a fiddle. And yep. when we are taught to hate someone else because of the color of their skin, to somehow turn the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the mirror around and say, now hate yourself because you're white. 
You know, now hate yourself because you're black. Now hate yourself because you're brown. Now hate yourself because your last your last name. Whatever that that case is is ridiculous. And we stand right now in a place where we can all come together. And you saw when we started to extract all of the Antifa and all of the the domestic terrorists that that these these um, um, protests, which are valid, were peaceful. Yep. They didn't break down uh, windows. They didn't tear down their own communities. They didn't light buildings on fire. And it was a peaceful demonstration, right? And now you've got somebody, you've got this group in, in, uh, that's throwing their la- last little temper tantrum, I think. They took over half of Seattle, the inner city like Seven blocks, blocks or something. Yeah, yeah and, and, they, and, and the, the police Democrat station. Le- the Democrat leadership just said, okay, since when is that right? I wrote down something because I wanted to say it today on your, on your show. Um, I wrote down this thing that do you do you remember who uh, Charles Schultz was from was the, uh, Peanuts? No, uh, Charles oh. Schultz. Yeah, that's true. And there was another <laughs> another one um, uh, that that he was he was the uh, Secretary of State for Ronald Reagan. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And and what he said was he goes negotiations are a synonym for capitulation when the shadow of power is not cast across the bargaining table. Okay. Mm. And, and so you think back to the freedom and how many lives were saved by Ronald Reagan acting in strength, right? To bring down the wall, to bring down that separation and, and to, to do those things. And, and I'm going to say it again, negotiations are a synonym for capitulation. In other words, the, when you're negotiating for something that you can't measure, like how do we measure somebody's heart? How do you legislate how somebody feels? If somebody's a racist, they're going to be a racist. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So if you're a racist, you're an idiot. I don't care what color you are. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a racist, you're an idiot. To, to, to think that the pigmentation of one's skin is, is something that, that somehow that means can tell, anything. Or tell me the content of my character, MLK. Yeah. Right? It, it, and we, we're, we're in this negotiation to say we need to do something about racism. How? What do we do? Right? What do we do when I think that racism is primary? And, and you can see by all indicators, police violence. Did you know that there was only nine unarmed men, uh, uh, black men that were killed last year uh, by police? Did you know that? Did you know that there was 24 white men that were killed, uh, unarmed killed by police? Did you know that there was 50 plus cops that were killed in the line of duty, uh, wondering whether they should pull their gun or not, if it was going to be a mistake and lost their life because they waited too long? You know, did you know all of that stuff? No, you didn't, you know, and, and we're not being told those things. And it's not that it's right. It's nobody should lose their life uh, um, or, or, or should lose their life because of an of a, of a, of a interaction that could have been di- diffused. But at the end of the day, if you look back under all leadership, racism, all of the, de- the, the measurements of racism have come down. All of the measurements of police brutality have come down. Is it perfect? No. But I'm just saying 99.5% of all cops are good, right? 99% yep. of all white people are good. 99.5% of all black people are good. 95, it's that 5% and we focus in and we're going to try to solve the problem that isn't. And we, I, what happened to celebrating how we're similar? Like it, 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 That doesn't pay. It doesn't, it doesn't sell advertising right. on, on major media. It doesn't get votes, well, right? <laughs> And like, like, we can even talk, like, if we just think of sim- like simplicity that we, we all hear, you know, no one would buy a newspaper at 70 degrees and sunny. No, you know, of course. But even remember Tony, Breakthrough, did this amazing show. He had like, what, six or seven he, he completed and they only aired two. 
because it wasn't cool enough. It wasn't. Do you, remember what, do you remember what they replaced it with? A game show. Minute to win it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like you have, you have this amazing transformative thing that are that, that, that this show that Tony was putting on saying, here's how you overcome adversity. And they're like, eh, we're, we're not interested in that. It, yeah, no, we don't, we don't want to learn, figure out how to yeah, actually take what has a legitimate reason why you could give up. You have paraplegic, you lost everything, and we're going to give you a reason to live. Now, that's not important. Like, that's, and not, even, that's not important because, you know, really what I want to see is I want to see real housewives or I want to see the Kardashians or I want to see the, you know, because here, and here's why. The, the underlying, I did a study, a research study on this that people that watch the news, everybody bitches about how negative the news is, right? But they still watch it. Why? Because there's examples of how other people are as fucked up or more fucked up than I am. Yep. And it makes us feel better about ourselves that we can look at somebody else that's in worse pain, worse scenarios than we are and, and look at that because we're so weak-spined and weak-spirited that we desire to see other people's suffering so that we can feel better about ourselves. Well, and it, the other thing that I see, this is two things that I see. One is people are getting triggered left and right. Thing, like uh, the misfit nation thing. Let's, which, let's be clear on what triggered is emotional uh, weakness. Right. Well, so like one of the things for me growing up was, you know, and I like even a date dealt with, like I always felt misunderstood. Like that was my thing. Like it pissed me off. I was either pissed or depressed. And one of the main things was that, you know, I always felt like an outcast. I never felt connected. No one got me and all that. Now, when we have this conversation about all this and I'm kind of, and it's like school, in school, I got the black and white. I was always disruptive because I'm like, I, well, I, yeah, I get that. But there's something in the middle here we're missing and I would be disruptive. So like now I feel like I'm in high school again being like, you know, attacked by like everybody because I'm just asking questions. And then, you know, like Heidi Chair is like, man, this looks like, you know, an abusive relationship. And someone's trying to say, hey, I've been abused and it's like triangulation going on. No, don't talk about that. You're going to piss your father off or you're going to, you know, that didn't happen or it's not as bad as some other kid and, and what have you. So that is, and everybody's, you know, on high edge. Then as a coping mechanism, this looks like addiction to me. People get addicted to the state of depression, of anger, right? And then they commiserate with each other and then they're getting all the dopamine, they're getting all that happening, but it's not growing, but it feels good to have an opinion and scream and yell about something. And then you have the idea that you're doing something when you're really just feeling like crap. It's like, you know, taking poison and expecting someone else to die. Yeah, or burning down your house because you, your neighbor pissed you off. It's, you know, there's, there's two, you know, again, I try to break things down into a simple format that I can understand and then execute on, right? Mm -hmm. When you have something like racism, um, I, which I don't understand, it doesn't, it doesn't, register with me. Some people, you know, well, a lot of people nowadays are saying it's because I'm white. I'm not white. I'm part black. I'm part Samoan. I'm part Native American. I'm part, uh, you know, mostly Spanish, you know, and some Irish and so like, oh, I'm, I'm a mixture of all these things, but you're either selfish or you're selfless, yeah. right? And when, and if you can be triggered, you're being selfish because you're, you're needing to be understood. And I, I understand the word triggered. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I was triggered a lot. I understand that, but it was because I was emotionally weak. I didn't have the tools built into me or taught to me or hadn't learned them yet that taught me how to deal with 
when somebody says something about you, it's really a reflection of how they feel about themselves. Right. And, and that's a reflection. 99% is a reflection in pain. You know, they're, they're hurting. They're, they're looking for love. And, and selflessness means that you're going to, your go-to position is love. It's, mm-hmm. And that's my go-to position. My go-to position, I get goosebumps every time I say this, I've been saying it a lot in the last couple of weeks, is that my go-to position is to love you. Right. You know, my, I, I'm automatically eyes wide open, heart wide open when I meet somebody new, right? I think about George Floyd and I, I, it makes me sad that he wasn't introduced to Misfit Nation. You know, mm-hmm. so that, that he was addicted to drugs, that he had, you know, that he went through this criminal life and that he, kept, that he was surrounded by people who accepted the, the weaker portion of him, you know, and then now all the, they're, they're, they're all of his friends. Well, those people were the ones that didn't lift him up when he tried to change his life, when he was trying to get off drugs, when he was trying, where was his support system, right? Misfit Nation is a support system for all the George Floyds of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and because I, I was George Floyd, there's many George Floyds that are in, that are in Misfit Nation that, that, that find some place where people aren't going to judge them for all the shit that they've done in the past. Like if I was judged for my past for crying out loud, man, I mean, I, which, I, which I was and still am to a certain degree because people know an earlier version of me who was a douchebag. You know, I didn't operate in love. I operated in selfishness. And I had to learn, I had to evolve, I had to understand that standing strong in the time when, when, when we live in right now, when we look at riots and people are somehow justifying 19 people dead, you know, a good man named David, uh, uh, Captain Dorn. Dave, retired Captain David Dorn uh, being killed, a black man that was killed by, by um, some other blacks that broke into a store he was guarding for his friend over a television, right? We, 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 we're not applying justice in the same way. That's what Martin Luther King was saying. We want it applied in equal, uh, in equal uh, amounts. And, and the biggest difference is that people don't realize that it's being misapplied. The, 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 the eyes of justice are being misapplied not according to race, but according to poverty levels, right? And, and that's the real problem that we need to address. Oh my gosh, 100% where it, it is a wealth thing. It's not about... Yeah, it's, it's, if you've got the money, like, as a matter of fact, you know, somewhat tangentically, I was talking to a friend of mine about, um, you know, have, about radio and, and all this stuff. And he goes, dude, there's a guy on the station who's paying millions. He sucks, but he gets, you know, hours of airtime. He's, he is a racist. He is all of that. But because he's paying so much money, they give him a pass. He's on the show. Other people are not getting opportunities because of the amount of money he's paying. And right. so often we see that and that's what's happening in politics. The people in power. I mean, think about the world of influencers, bro. And I go influencers. Yeah. They're fucking gone. Like as soon as COVID hit, where'd they go? Right. Where, where'd they go? They, they were the reason why people disappear in times of, of, of challenge is because they were not strong. They were faking. They were lying. They were telling stories. Their marketing was really good. Right. And, and so during this entire thing, like I sold my companies, you know, a few months before all this shit went down. Like I, and I, and I was really tempted at the time to just fucking disappear, you know, cause I love being around people for a period of time, you know, <laughs> I like, you know, I'm a, I'm an extrovert introvert, which is yeah. weird. But, but at the end of the day, you know, you look at all of these people that we were following because they made, they were telling us shit that was fucking worthless. You know, it was fucking worthless, but it made us feel good. And right. where did they go? 
they fell apart, right? They fell apart and they disappeared, right? And, and at the end of the day, what, what the people that are being watched are the people that are, that are making you feel good about the narrative that you've accepted. And, and, that, and, and that is weakness, y'all. I mean, every show I go on, every time I'm on a show, these are the things that I'm saying and it makes me very unpopular to say the truth. Well, so that's the challenge with anybody who takes a stand. They're, if they're willing to be polarized, yeah. right, and, and say what they believe in. You know, I'm 100%, and it's funny, I, I, I stand firmly on both sides in that I want to move forward. Yeah, well, I get told all the time the only thing in the middle of the road is fucking roadkill, right? <laughs> and so, well, yes and no, but I guess what, what I mean is, is um, as an example, like the, uh, the video Irk posted uh, earlier, the, when there was the, the Black Lives Matter people who showed up at the Trump rally right. and they brought them up. That to me is... Well, that's what should be happening. Oh my, I was like, this is brilliant. Why but isn't this everywhere? You and, I, you and I are sitting in the middle of the road and we get, we get ran over by the right. We get ran over right, by the yeah, left. Right, yeah. This this that's what should happen. Yeah. Then, but it doesn't fit the narrative on either side, so it doesn't get a lot of play. You know, and, and at the end of the day, I don't care. Look, at the end of the day, I, I already, you can't cancel me. Like, this is a good thing. You know, you, right. it, it's impossible to cancel me. You could have a few years ago, but now I don't give a shit. If you don't like me and you don't want to buy shit from me, fuck you. You know, and at the end of the day, you need my shit more than I need your, your money. It, because what I teach is how to build real wealth, right? That's, that's what I've spent a lifetime trying to figure out. Not from a fancy college, but from the, the, from the, from the, uh, the school of hard knocks, yep. you know, I had to feed my family every Friday. I had to, I, or every day I had to put, I had to pay rent every, every month. I had, I had to do that shit. And if I made a mistake, then my family didn't eat. Right. And, and those were the decisions. And that's why it's so popular now with, you know, the, the turnarounds that we do, the, the mergers, the acquisitions, the, the next level, uh, where we, where we help companies go to their next level. These people are people that graduated from Harvard and Yale and Oxford and, you know, the, that are hiring a high school dropout because of common sense. So if you yep. listen to common sense, it doesn't have to be Jason Cisneros because you may not like me. It's highly likely that you don't like me. But at the end of the day, you listen to common sense, then you're going to be able to fix shit in your own life, which is what you're trying to do, right? You're screaming out for love by hating. It doesn't make any sense. You're screaming out for, for money when you're not working. It doesn't make any sense. You're, 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 you're wanting all of this attention when you've earned none, right? You're, you're wanting all of the attention when you haven't developed competence. And that's what the world pays for. The world yep. pays for competence. Yeah, I, I, and it's, it's that willingness to accept that. I remember when I, my first investment property, which I'm sure for you could be someone who says, hey, Jason, I want to buy a business, right? And then you go, okay, here's what you got to do. And then they go, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't want to do that. And like, well, no, no, I don't think you understand how this works here. Like, right. you know, when I bought my first property, I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm doing it. Like, I, I just got over whatever, you know, internal dialogue I had and whatever. And I go to my mentor, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And he goes, okay. I, okay, here we go. Here's what you do. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And the first time, it's like, whoa, that's like, okay. And then after you go through, you go, oh, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, I went back. A lot of people, I mean, I say it all the time. I did, you know, my first podcast was me saying, you know, here's all of my garbage. So, you know, the cheating in my marriage and the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the uh, bankrupt, bankrupting businesses, the being in, in and out of jail, all that kind of stuff. I, I did an eight mile on myself with my first show just wow. so nobody would ever have any leverage over me. And as an example to how Misfit Nation acts, right? But, uh, but I, ba I bankrupted three businesses. And, and I get hired today because I did and learned the lesson, right? Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I, I was on cash accounting when I was selling drugs. I had no idea about accrual. <laughs> you know, I had, <laughs> I did, I, the only one thing that I did know was that, you know, running around with my, with my boys and, and, you know, in that gang lifestyle was that, that uh, culture was everything, yeah. you know? And I was able to translate that enough to be able to make it through my third bankruptcy and start again. Right. And to be able to travel the world with those mistakes in notebooks that I written down copiously, travel the world with Tony Robbins. Right. And, and to be able to do, to learn those lessons and then be able to beg those business owners to go to lunch with me so that I could say, what did you do about this? Cause here's what I did and it failed. And I, you know, da, 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 which then built up my ability to have a system and a process to be able to buy, uh, to get into the turnaround game and then make enough money there to, to buy my own companies and then accelerate with those and then to be able to sell and now be able to teach um, hundreds and hundreds of businesses how to, you know, we, our motto is help good people make more money, get more time so they can do more good. I don't give a shit. I don't need your money, right? What I need is for you to make a fuck ton of money if you're a good human being so that domestic violence can be financed, you know, the charities can be financed so that mm -hmm. when we have a rescue and we've got a seven-year-old little girl that got abducted and is being uh, uh, trafficked in the worst ways possible, that we can go and, and bust her out so that, we, you know, so that we can stop having somebody die of starvation every four seconds in this world. Money and wealth and power and strength given to those with a, a good heart and the willingness to work is how we change this world, Right giving shit to people who are weak spine and, and are all about themselves is a way to destroy our children's future. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine, like, I know everyone loves to, you know, want to go down a rabbit hole uh, around Gates, but everyone like, you know, it's like, Oh, look at all he does with his money and all of that. That's great. Why don't you do the same and go out and make it? I remember my, my first mentor, um, he was a guy, he was the money behind the backstreet boys. Um, uh, and uh, he wasn't Lou Pearlman. He was the money behind it all. And this was a peak of my career was when Napster came out. So I yeah. had to reinvent myself. The music industry just, you know, got decimated. And I'm, I'm, I met with him. It was our first meeting. I was just going to meet for 45 minutes. And we ended up spending the whole day together. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, and this guy was, a, you know, close to a billionaire, owned, you know, a merchant banking company. is an amazing guy. And I, I asked him, so what is abundance to you? What is wealth to you? And he sat on a lot of boards. He brought me to meet Elton John at one of the things that he was doing. Like, amazing guy. And he goes, it is your duty. It is your responsibility to make as much money as you possibly can, ecologically, fairly, helping other people so that you can help other people. That's right. And it was like, wow, different thing. And I, I did not have a good relationship with my dad so much at the time growing up and stuff because we just thought differently. But I said, I went there, I asked my dad the same question. My dad, what's money to you? Like all the stuff. He goes, well, you know, you remember when I was, you know, like building those, he was, a, he worked at a bank and he'd, he'd be the mortgage, like the broker for big projects. Like Jack Nicholas was one of his clients building golf courses and condominium projects and stuff. And he goes, you know, when I would do one of those deals, 
you know, I like golf. So to help someone help Jack build a golf course and a condominium thing, do you know how many jobs that provided? Mm. Do you know how many homes that provided? I played a small part, but it, without me, it wouldn't have happened to creating all of these jobs, places for people to live and all of that. And, and right there, it's like, oh my gosh, guess you're not a dick. The problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money. Right. And like, I, I, the fact that people don't see that and is capitalism perfect? No thing is perfect. To expect perfection is insane. The, the, what we need to do is be looking at, you know, like an NLP presupposition, celebrate what works and add what's missing. That's right. 99% of cops are good. 99.5%, 90, like whatever. 90, like, and by the way, I believe politicians most, and I don't, I don't know a whole lot. I believe most of them start out and started out with good intentions, yep. but then the belief became, well, if I leave, I won't be able to continue to do good. Well, then they get corrupted. The biggest thing that I've seen with most politicians I know is I deserve this, right? And, and then you start to see it's, it's look, it, again, if you read any fucking history book, you know, you'll, you'll know that something that metastasizes in, in any society, which is the founders of this country were brilliant, in, you know, and, and at the end of the day, what metastasizes is a ruling elite who thinks that they're better than and smarter than the rest of us and they drive down into a poverty class so that they can, they can promise them money and free gifts and free things so that they can control them. That's fucking slavery. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and, and we keep electing these assholes and we keep saying it's okay. Let's just scoot past, uh, you know, uh, and on the left, right? Or, or on the right. Both of them, neither one of them want term limits. Because then they lose their power. Yep. Either, every, all of them want redlining districts, which is racist as shit. You know what I mean? And, and because I want to I draw a circle around all of the people that I know are going to vote for me, you know? And if they live one house over... I want my bubbles of agreement only dealing with, and then I'm going to expand it by figuring out how to get it. Which has created the environment that we live in that says that you have to be on my side of the equation and believe all of my bullshit, right? On the right, there's a bunch of bullshit, right? There's 80% there's that somebody may agree with and 20% bullshit. And they, they swallow the 20% bullshit because the only thing that they have is the 80%, 100% on the other side, which those people on their side, like where's the fucking moderates right now? Where's the moderates? Like they're, they're, where's they're the moderate silent Democrats? because they're afraid to say something because if they do, they get accused of not being on one side or the other. The, dude, the, the amount of black people who are, that are considered conservative that are getting attacked by other black people right now is blowing my fucking mind. Like I cannot believe how many people just because they have a differing opinion and, and they're saying, yes, there's a problem in, in the community, but here's how I would deal with it. You're a racist. You're an Uncle Tom. You're these things. And I'm like, how, what world are we living in when we are rewarding? But that's what happens, right? That's what happens throughout history. When you have, when you have those classes and they're further and driven further and further apart by influence and money, then, then that, this is what we expect. There's, we shouldn't be fighting with each other. We shouldn't call black conservatives names. We shouldn't call black uh, de uh, progressives or, or Democrats name. We should be in the middle like grown ass adults, but we become a disassociated group of fucking babies 
who can't handle their own shit. Well, and to go down like, you know, again, is somewhat conspiracy theory thing. It started to happen with COVID. People started to go, well, wait a minute, hold on. Like, yes, obviously we, we, we don't want people to die. And yeah, there's something going on, but something ain't right with all of this. As soon as that started to like actually start coming up and people stopped fighting about it, all of a sudden new, and it's like, and again, not to say necessarily someone made it happen or not. It could be just a natural progression of human nature because they weren't getting the same level of dopamine and excitement and all of that, that they needed to find a new thing to get them all activated because they had no purpose. They couldn't go to work. They couldn't find anything to do. So now they're going, I got to have, I got to contribute to something. So now let me find a cause. And then they get rewarded for it because now everybody's going, yeah, oh, by the way, you can leave for that you can't go to church but you can go protest and then they well, go look, this at, is look at all you had to do look at how like in military precision the race the the race war blew up right when you had and it wasn't it wasn't blacks burning down their own communities i mean i think that you know sometimes they got enticed into it but there was white provocateurs mm-hmm. that were embedded in these in these uh, um, communities that were on buses that were shipped out with military precision, okay? So now let's go back to your question. It's almost, it wasn't like it was planned, okay? It was planned. They were ready for it. No, they, they, they couldn't have planned his death. There's people that say that they did and it, you know all kinds of other conspiracy stuff. I try to stay out of that to see in the world that I can operate in mm-hmm. and look at it and go, okay, the, the bricks that were put in the right places, the, the buses that were filled with people, the white, you know, the white uh, uh, nationalists or, or uh, white Antifa or whatever it was with black masks on that were coming in, breaking shit, burning stuff down, and then on the bus to the next town. You know, you watched all that happen with military procedure. So that means it was planned. Now, now you get to George Floyd, right? If you haven't, if last year nine bl- unarmed black men were, were killed, right? 24 uh, uh, unarmed white men, then it's a math equation. You know that you can basically count on one of those occurrences happening once a month throughout the course of the year. So all we had to do, what they had to do, right? All the Antifa uh, uh, provocateurs had to do was wait. That's all they had to do was wait. Because it was going to happen because, you know, these types of things, you know, you have over 300 plus million interactions with police officers, somebody's going to get killed. And most often it's the police. And then next most often it's whites. And then the least often it's blacks. No, actually the least uh, uh, is is Asians who also uh, happen to to, um, be thriving in community right? These are, these are people of color that are thriving in our community because of the, the discipline in, engaged in their family and the expectation that they put that you're not, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen an, an Asian child misbehave in front of an Asian mom. Whoo! It is unbelievable <laughs> to watch. <laughs> well, you know, and so you bring up another point. I mean, obviously that's a, a whole other thing because yeah, I mean, the, the bricks don't just mysteriously appear. Um, but again, what like it's okay to have a culture. Like that's what's so interesting is like you you just shared. Like I, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who um, in real estate, and he was talking about how the different a- neighborhoods have different cultures, as and they you, should. 
Right. It's and you called it, a melting pot for a fucking reason. Yeah, but like, where did, it's so bizarre. The cognitive and the emotional and the spiritual dissonance is beyond me, where on one level, it, like, it's accepted, but on another level, it's not. So it's really a matter of convenience. Like, so we're, we're about a bunch of fair weather friends right now who are picking and choosing causes instead of all going, you know what? You know, you know, you know how we could really mess with this whole thing? It's get on the same page and just vote everybody out. Like, just, just look at it and, and I'm almost. I'm man. I started, that, I started that hashtag a long time ago, back in 2016. Hashtag vote them all out. Yeah, right? and, and it would be better if you had, if all you did was pick anybody who's never been in office before for every job. And the thing is, too, which people, every position, the thing is what people don't realize is how important the local government is. And now we're seeing it because I don't care what you care, good or bad for Trump, the local governments are the ones, the people in your, your local offices are the ones who have more influence than anybody else. It's local. I mean, it's local. And, and at the end of the day, you have such weaklings that are leading this country that they can't stand up. I mean, if you, if you can't stand up and, and say that these riots were wrong, you're a coward. You know, if you, if you can't stand up and say that the, both uh, the killing of George Floyd was wrong and the killing of, of Captain David Dorn was wrong, you're a hypocrite. Like, you know, that, that's why they lose, these arguments lose uh, credibility because of the hypocrisy, because of the blatant hypocrisy of people who are not applying the same standard across all people. That is racism. Well, it, it no longer becomes a question of equality. You can't use that statement in the, we want to be treated equally, but in order to do that, we have to be unequal in our approach. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I just, you know, there's, there's so much of this stuff that is fantasy um, that if we build, you know, if we start building a new country based on, on lies, uh, misassumptions, uh, mistruths, if we start to build this country on the, it was built, it, you know, it was built on uh, the start of this country. Uh, you know, I, I don't, there, if you go back and you actually do your history, right? You come over, you got Christopher Columbus that finds the land, blah, blah, blah. For about a hundred years, we are building this, this country, right? Uh, we don't know it as the United States of America yet, but for a hundred years, we didn't build anything. You know, everybody says that this country was built on the, on the, the uh, backs of black slaves. Well, the first hundred years, there was no slaves, right? The first slaver was an African, a black African man. The first boat that came over here uh, was that was sold. Um, it was 20 black people, um, you know, that, that brought, were brought over from Africa when it was thriving um, in, in its own country, Ghana, right? There, you saw mm -hmm. this thing that, with the Ghanaian thing yeah. and on a knee and all this other kind of shit. Uh, Ghana was primarily black uh, slave owners. Like slavery has been a thing in everybody's, and again, to Thomas Sowell, right? One of the, the, the brightest black uh, um, education uh, people that I have ever read says that, that white people have been enslaved almost 10 times more than blacks uh, throughout the course of history, right? But, but that narrative doesn't play. And so when you, when you look at the foundation of this country, there was, um, you know, built on slavery. Now you have slaves in the South that were building, 
you know, and, and, and were used for cheap labor and you have all of these things that were happening, which was obviously wrong. And then people forget that the first, um, the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln and that he was the one that, that, that freed the slaves and was killed for it. They forget that up until I think 1979, every single uh, black uh, in Congress uh, along the, the course of all that history, they were all Republicans. You know, it was Republicans that, that put in place the 13th Amendment that, that gave um, uh, blacks their freedom uh, uh, or recognized them as, as basically people, which is, seems ridiculous these days. The 14th Amendment was by Republicans that gave them the right to vote. Right, the Fifteenth Amendment that was that gave women uh, the right not to be married to to you know uh, multiple women. Uh, there, there's all of these different things that happened, and we don't know our history. So if you don't pay attention to your history of what happened um, and how things were built, that that it becomes something uh, bastardized and it looks cancerous because you're not solving the problem that is. There's not a there's not a black person that I've ever met. That I didn't fall in love with instantaneously. There wasn't a white person that I didn't fall in love with instantaneously. There wasn't a Mexican that I, or a Hispanic that I that I fall. Uh, I'm a mixed race myself, right? And and to hate someone else, um, the to hate someone else is to hate a portion of myself. And I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. I want to fall in love with them. I've been given grace so many times, Doug. It's been extended to me so many times that that I can't I can't possibly ever repay it. For all the mistakes that I made, the people that I hurt, the, the bad decisions that I made. And, and so my go-to is that, and then it's up to the person to end the, or to lose the relationship with me if, right. it's, not, you know, if it's not equal yoked. So, um, you know, we just live in a time where we need more common sense, where we just need to love each other, where we need, need to pay t- attention. And yes, Sandy, I watch that, and it's heavily tinged with a whole lot of, of twisted lies um, and, and some mistakes that were made. Some of it's true, some of it's not. It was had an obvious agenda. Uh, talking about the Thirteenth uh, Amendment, uh, the mm. show that was made on Netflix. So anyway, well, um, yeah. to that I point, think. when Heidi and I, when we worked in the the treatment field, you know, we had, you know, everybody came in, and the the way we approached every single person who came in was the the presupposed question we have is, what could we love about this person? What could we celebrate about this person? What can we appreciate about them? What's creative? Like all the, like the most positive things. And at first there would be some resistance and they, you know, wouldn't get us. And we'd have to, you know, we, it was like coming when you're in treatment with us, it was like at a seminar. We had club rehab, we danced every morning and we, you know, did all this. And at first there was like, you know, F you guys, you're only in it for the money or you're, you know, you're so slick and blah, blah, blah. But just by continuing to stay, not everybody said that there was few, but continuing to stay in that space of love, looking for what we could appreciate, looking for what's awesome about this person. Finally, for some, if they were resistant, they'd come around to or not, but mostly be like, wow, you genuinely care. Like you, and I think if we spent more time in that and assuming the best of people and, you know, really appreciating where they're coming from, we all could do better. And I think that's where we're missing is we're, we're not coming from love. We're look, we're coming from fear, um, obviously. Um, and, and misunderstanding and a lack of education and a lack of understanding, like there's all kinds of stuff and that it's going to take shows like this. It's going to take, you know, I mean, I have, I've had since COVID, I mean, I started getting death threats back during COVID 
uh, you know, for saying this doesn't make sense, that math doesn't add up. Like, you know, I started getting death threats then. It's just increased now, um, you know, because I- I'm not saying anything racist. I'm not saying anything like nothing that I've said in the show today. It, it, but but people can can skew it however they want to. And well, take confirmation it out of, bias sets in. And I don't care. Like, I don't care. Do it. Like you said at the beginning of the show, I, I love people um, and I want to help. I want to serve. My, my lot in life is to ease suffering for, for, for real victims. And, and it's also to call out people who are acting like a victim who aren't, right? It's just as destructive to a life to act like you're a victim when you aren't as it is to actually be a victim. Well, it gives know? permission. And then people see that, oh, well, it's like the boy that cried wolf. I just, sudden, love, I just love you enough to tell you that like, like the people who, who led me and guided me and were my mentors and the people that loved me enough to tell me the truth, I hated their guts most of the time, brother. You know, yep. I hated their guts because what they were saying was true. And I wanted to believe the best about myself. And I wanted to believe that I was set upon, that my, my you know, poor me was built, was where I was because of my adopted daddy and all of these, you know, and, and because I didn't fit in the Mexican community, which is, you know, primarily the towns that we would move back and forth to. I didn't fit in the white community because we were so fucking poor. Like I didn't fit anywhere. And, and all, and, and at the end of the day, it took these people to say, Jason, it's not about your skin color. It's not about all these. It's about your choices. I'm like, fuck you. It's not about my choice. I didn't choose for him to be my daddy, right? I didn't choose to, to, to grow up in poverty. I didn't choose to, to be made fun of incessantly because I was the poor kid in school. I didn't, I didn't choose to be jumped, you know, by, by Mexican gangs at lunchtime. I didn't choose that shit, you know, but at the end of the day, their message was, it's not your choice about how you live your life. It's how you respond to it. Yep. And that's what makes you a good man or a good woman. So how, how did you get then into personal development through all of this? Like, how did you like transform that? Like, what was your, your pinnacle moment or it was there a well, moment? It, it, it's interesting. You say pinnacle moment. It was really my bottom of the bucket moment where I felt worthless to the entire world. And I sat on a, on a cliff in, in, um, in, in San Diego with my last worldly possession, which was a, which was a gun. Mm. And I was like, fuck this. Um, and I was thinking, you know what? I don't want my kids to find my body. So I'm going to shoot myself on the cliff. I'll fall in the ocean. Nobody will ever find me. Right. Left a note, all, all the shit. And, um, and it was in that moment where, where I heard God's voice say, not yet. I didn't know what that meant. I, no. I didn't, I had no idea what that meant, but it was, it was not yet. In other words, it's not, it's not my choice to end my own pain. It's my choice to face that pain and to become the man God put me on this earth to be. And that is a man of service. That is a man of understanding. That is a man of love. That is a man of, of sacrifice. That is a man of mistakes. That is a man who loves uh, um, deeper than the need for acceptance. And it's, it's tough, brother. Like it's yep. tough to, to love people as much as you do and to get hammered as much as, as you do. It's a tough life to live. Right. And it, and it, and it, and it, people misunderstanding where you're coming from or, or what makes you up or somebody judging you by a version of you that doesn't exist anymore. Like, I understand all that, you know, and all I want people to do, like, I just, I, again, I've said it multiple times on multiple shows. I wish that George Floyd was alive and that we got our hands on him through Misfit Nation because yeah. we're white, we're black, we're gay, we're straight, we're, 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 we're Asian, we're Mexican, we're, we're, we're poor, we're rich, we're, we're all of that shit. 
And, and we, we, the one thing that we've centered our lives around is easing suffering. And if we do that, then we have to get better at our language. We have to educate ourselves to become better. We have to be, make more money. We have to figure out how to be a better uh, 501c3 owner. We have to do those things because we're, we know that the biggest weapon, the biggest power that we have our, in our life is to stare at that person in the mirror and go, what next, right? And if you're ready to give up to hear God's voice whispering in your ear, not yet, right? It's not your choice. I'm going to bring you home when I'm ready for you, right? And not until then. Until then, I have a use for you. I have all that pain that you've built up, all those mistakes, all those people that hurt you, all that misunderstanding, all of that, that sadness and all of those tears that you cried and all the, the laughter that you have and, and that you've experienced. All of that was meant for you to stand up in a time of crisis and to lead when I need you to lead, right? It's to be that person and to step up and, and to not accept the weakness, to get rid of those people who accept and demand and, 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 and call from you your weakness and to get around those people that piss you off, that demand your strength because they see it in you. They believe in you more than any fucking weak ass, uh, weekend warrior, fucking latte sipping, uh, uh, keyboard warrior, uh, um, piece of shit that wants to, 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 uh, uh, recognize you for the weakest part of who you are. You know, those people that love you enough to face your wrath are the people that you should force your way into their life. Beautifully said, brother. And that's so true. If we look at, you know, even in a relationship, you know, when you're in an argument with, or a spirited debate with, you know, your wife, your husband or whatever, if you could just pull back and go, well, what do I really want right now? And then is what I'm doing right now going to take me closer to what I really want? And if the answer is no, then we, all right, well, then let's reevaluate. And, and by the way, I just want to obviously, you know, honor your decision not to do what you had an option to. That was actually, we share a very similar story. I was in the same I spot. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I chose like, gratitude. I didn't have children yet or anything. So I was just like, man, what could I be grateful for in this moment? You know, I had nothing and, and had to start all over. And it was right before I, I ended up, I did a basket brigade that uh, Thanksgiving. And that was the, I met Scotty that night, uh, right before Thanksgiving. I was like, I can't, I can't meet Tony at the Javits Center because I got to go pick up 55 turkeys tonight because we have everyone coming over tomorrow. And um, I, I, I feel the pain and that's what's so difficult with all this going on. I feel uh, the, the empath in me feels the pain and it's just feeling like I get it. People need to do something about it. It's just, you know, we've got to continue to just offer other opportunities of being other thoughts, other ways of perspective, looking at things. Um, just think, just thinking the thought and you, and I know you well enough, you know, over these years, to have listened to you, to have conversations with you, to know, you know, what a beautiful human being you are. And, and the lesson that your life sort of puts out there for us is for, for us to look at that thing that, that we think was, was the worst thing that ever happened to us. And to say, to look at it like it was such a gift. Yep. You know, I, I've turned my, my adopted father was the greatest gift I've ever had. And people freak out when I say that because the greatest gift he taught me how to be strong. You know, he yeah. taught me to protect my mom, 
right? I have a nickname. One of the, I've got an award from one of the, the domestic violence uh, organizations that I work with and they call me the shield, right? And that's how I was. I learned how to be that shield between my mom and, and her abuser. And, and I learned um, empathy and I learned uh, all of these things from him being my, my adopted father, from him being, I called him my dad for 17 years because I thought he was. And I learned who I didn't want to be. I didn't, I didn't want to be him. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to be him. I wanted to be a good man. And I had to force myself into the lives of good men. And those good men were people that were good to their wives. They were good to their children. They were good uh, uh, pillars of community. They, were, they, they didn't accept any fucking, even an iota of, the, of a shred of weakness from me as an excuse. They called my ass out. And it took me years. Like I feel like I was still a child in my mid thirties, learning what right and wrong was. And, yep. and and you know because I didn't have that guidance, I didn't have that leadership, and and so it's taught me to be a better man. It's taught me to be a better father. It's taught me to be those things. Well, and I think you know you you share such a beautiful point. There is when you have that loss, when you feel like you don't have that exemplar, that model. Seek it out. Yep. Put yourself in an environment that is going to hold you to that higher standard, right? Challenge yourself to greatness. You know, I've always taught this and it's been my model is, man, you know, it's not new. You know, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I need a new room. If I'm the strongest person in the room, I need a new room. Like if I'm not hanging out with guys like you who are going to hold me to a higher standard, who are playing at a higher level, who are serving at a higher level, I'm, I'm losing, because then if, if I'm feeling good because I'm hanging out with people who I'm like more accomplished, if I'm, then I'm like, what the hell is that? That's not, it's easy. That's like playing tennis with a five-year-old and feeling good about winning. Yeah. The fight, the fight is against, you know, in human nature, the, 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 the least resistance, right? That's where people, we just want to be in the least resistance. And right. when you put yourself in an environment where you're constantly challenged, like I just saw, um, Maddie Gonzalez come on here and she's the daughter of, of one of my current mentors, uh, um, pastor Rudy Gonzalez, who leads cert ministries, um, who every single day is on the phone with, uh, somebody saying we've got these abducted children and putting their lives on the line. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, I need more money. Well, at the end of the day, they, the jobs that they do aside from that 90% of it goes into cert ministries and they live on 10%, right? That's wow. true leadership. Yeah. And you don't see them all over Facebook. You don't see them all over the, the t trying to get attention. I'm the guy that gets attention for them, right? Because, I, because we need to finance more good people like them. And Pastor Rudy Gonzalez, I would, I would step in front of a bullet for him. I, you know, and the most important thing that he taught me um, so far in our relationship is that, you know, it's great that you would die for me, but would, would you live, right? And he's a, such a great example of a Christ-centered man that I haven't had really great examples of the church, you know, mm. and, and he is somebody that opened my, my eyes. I mean, I've always felt a connection to God, but it was the church that when I was at my bottom that turned their back on me, right? It was the church that, you know, and then equally on the other side, it was a homeless shelter that fed me. That was an extension of a church. Like mm. there's all of these dichotomies that you see and, and not that I put my faith in, in man, but, but what it did was it showed me he was a, he was a, a version and is a version of, of a good reflection of Christ. 
right? A good reflection of God. And, and so that again, like I'm, I'm 48, going to be 49 years old uh, here pretty quickly and I'm still learning how to be a good man. And I think if we could all, like as am I, if we could all be okay with that we're still learning and that we don't have all the answers and that, you know, if something looks like it isn't working right, it's okay to change. It's okay to change course. It's, you know, beneficial. Seek out someone who is creating the life that you are looking to and model them. You know, and, and that's, that's what this is about is, is getting perspectives, getting something to think about going, Ooh, how did they do it? Because everyone has something to offer. Um, and I think all too often we're, we're getting sucked into the drama, you know, rather than creating the empowered drama, you know, I'm sure building your businesses wasn't sometimes very sexy, but it was full of drama. It's never been easy. <laughs> it's never been easy that running a business is, is it's just people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's a lot, it's a life lesson. That's why, you know, I think that the reason why, you know, I, I built a course after my team, my team, you know, kept trying to get me to do, build a, a digital course on what we were doing with these, with these bigger uh, corporations, um, you know, for people. And, and I, I resisted it because I didn't want my name to be associated with a lot of these fake ass people who build, you know, these bullshit programs that actually do, dis, you know, do a, a disservice to business. And, and finally, one day Joe came to me and he said, Jason, you're always talking about, we help good people make more money so they can do more good. There's a lot of small businesses that can't afford to hire us as a consulting company that could use a, a digital course. I'm like, shit, my dog food tastes terrible, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we built it, but, but I think that, you know, now a few years later, you know, two or $3 million in sales of the product itself, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that's been created from the people that actually executed on that program. I put everything I knew in it. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. hold anything back. There's not a, a next thing. There's not another program. There's not like, you know, the, the specialist kind of thing. Like there's none of that bullshit. I just put everything that I had into it. And I think the reason why it's been most popular is because yes, it's about business. Yes, it's how to structure your company. Yes, it's about infrastructure. Yes, it's all about all these things, how to properly sequence. But more importantly, it's how you can then take those same lessons and apply them to your life. Because mm -hmm. I built my business structure, my business modeling concepts out of being a good man and serving humanity, right? Because the first premise of a business is you have to fall in love with the outcome of your client and not, the, not your own product. And that principle right there, people are like, oh, my product, me, I'm the leader, I'm this person, I'm that bullshit. And at the end of the day, it, it's you got to fall in love with the outcome of the people that you want to serve. Mm -hmm. to get outside of your own ego because when you're in your ego, you're constantly doing damage to yourself. And that is like a, a microcosm of the macrocosm of what's having, happening right now. That right now, it's like we're having, you know, the sales team and the marketing team fighting with each other, wanting to get credit. We're having, you know, it's, a, it, it's almost like the, the same dynamics are occurring and there's poor leadership kind of, you know, benefiting from it because it's actually, you know, giving them the opportunity to steal from the other business down the block. Yeah, it, it's, it is. And, you know, that's just the, you know, again, I don't know where we go from here, but I mean, it's been a fantastic I, talk. Yeah, no, dude, <laughs> sorry. 
we've we uh, beaten a dead horse for sure and and no no offense to horses um <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to say that all the time um so, dude, how can uh, people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about uh, you, what you do, what you have to offer, and, and get on board with um, everything that you have? Yeah, the best way, you know, jasoncisneros.com um, sort of talks about all the three major aspects of, of what I do. Uh, there's business, there's the speaker, uh, you know, speaking and, and the leadership, and then there's the Bald Avenger brand which is, you know, comedy and political, uh, fuck political correctness type conversations. <laughs> like my show this Sunday is, is called What's Funny About Civil War, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that should be an interesting show. But at the end of the day, jasoncisneros.com is the best place to find out about me if, and, you know, figure out a way to hate me or, or figure out a way to, to come in and, uh, and build a better world uh, with a group of people called Misfits who I love and adore and respect more than any other group of people that I've ever met. Amen, brother. And I'm, I'm proud to, to be one. Well, I'm um, proud to be your friend. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the work you do. I'm proud of the, the energy that you put out, you know, the, the side of, of you, the evolution that I've watched since I met you um, and the good that you really want to do in, in your life and how you landed such an amazing wife. I have, that just, that just taught me that you're a good salesperson right there. Oh, you're, there you go. Okay. You're a closer. <laughs> she's, she's gorgeous. She's smart. And she's really, you know, in your, in your, your kids, like, you know, you got, you have an amazing life and I'm proud of you because you could have gone the other way too. Amen, brother. Well, I, you know, I am blessed. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was sales uh, as much as just God blessing me. Um, but uh, dude, I thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to more rock with you. I, I hope that we can find projects that we can, you know, dive in together even more. Um, my resources are you, your resources. So, um, you know, always whatever you need. And uh, I love you for who you are and who you aren't. Yeah, I love you too, brother. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.